Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Reach. This is your host, Jessica Van, founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group. And I have been looking forward to this conversation um, with Alicia Myers. Hi, Alicia. Hi, Jessica. So excited to have you here. Thank you for being our guest. I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So in today's episode of Reach, um, I'll be speaking with Alicia, who is a personal assistant and estate manager to a private family based here in the Bay Area. Alicia has been a family assistant for over 20 years and has supported various high net worth and ultra high net worth families throughout her career. We're not going to be saying who they are. Obviously, there are certain confidentialities that we need to protect. Um, but suffice it to say that Alicia supports people who are very much in the public eye and who lead highly complex, highly involved, very demanding lives that require the utmost in terms of resourcefulness, discretion, precision, and really attentiveness and, and accuracy. So in today's program, we'll be speaking with Alicia about how to successfully set up a personal household, um, things like how to create a household manual and implementing seasonal maintenance checklists uh, or coordinating things like design and build projects or even the intricacies and challenges of managing multiple properties, as well as everything in between and under the sun that I haven't just said. So if you're an estate manager and you're looking for best practices and to really hear from the best of the best, uh, you're in luck because Alicia is all that and more. Um, or maybe you're a nanny or a family assistant who's curious about what it would take to expand into the estate management role, or maybe you're even an executive assistant who is thinking about transferring into private service. Um, for any of the above, um, I think this episode is really going to be an incredibly informative and also really entertaining um, 45 minutes. So thanks again and, and welcome to the program. So Alicia, let's start with, I think, what is probably the burning question on mine and everyone's minds, which is, how do you even get into a role like this? How, did, how does one end up in this career? You know, it's not like the kind of thing you go to college for. It's not the kind of thing you respond to a help wanted ad. It's certainly not the kind of thing that gets advertised on Craigslist or LinkedIn or things of that nature. So how do you even land in this type of a career? Yes, that is, you know, an amazing question that everybody asks all the time. Um, even people from within the industry, like um, family assistants and nannies are, you know, saying, well, how did you get to where you were, how are you, where you're at now, and what was your path? Um, but my particular path um, started as a nanny, and I was a nanny for a good 10 years, and I was always super interested in the families I worked for um, and just their daily lives. So when the kids were napping, I you know, would do the normal chores and get the kids stuff ready. And then I'd be like, okay, what's next? I'd look around and think like, what can I do to make this family's life better and easier for them? Um, and I was particularly interested in logistics, like how to make things seamless for them. Um, how to make experiences better for them. So I just started offering, uh, you know, hey, um, I noticed this on your calendar, you know, can I do that for you? Or I noticed this return sitting here, can I do that for you? And just kind of being eyes wide open and um, looking around, to see what personal tasks and what projects that I could take off their plate. And eventually, all of a sudden, I had, you know, all this under my belt and thought, oh, okay, I feel comfortable now. I feel confident that I can kind of explore um, these roles. What I like about that is it really is a nod to, I think, that kind of 
service mentality that's so important to doing well in this profession is it's really yes. not a waiting around to be asked kind of no. uh, field and rather the person who finds their niche and is really proactive and um, dedicated to being of service and being of value and finding ways to be valuable is really who I think rises to the ranks and achieves the kinds of heights that you've achieved professionally. Absolutely. Um, I remember um, in one of my roles where I was a family assistant, I did part childcare and part family assisting and part household managing as well. And um, the, the, one of the principals, um, he taught a class or several classes at Stanford. And um, I said, Hey, you know, I'd really like to help you with your scheduling and um, your filing. And he said, Oh, you know, I'm, I really like to do it myself. I'm okay. And I said, okay, okay. And then every day I'd go by his office and I'd see these folders on the ground. (laughs) I was like, um, can I just put those away? And then I would notice like, that they, the files were old and they were kind of ripped. And I was like, Hey, I'm just gonna, you know, just give you new files. I'm just gonna, you know, give you fresh files and, um, and I'm just going to put them away. And, uh, so every day, not every day, I gave them a little bit of space, but, you know, increasingly I would just offer little bit by little bit. And it took a little bit of time. Um, but after about a year and a half or so, I took over all his business scheduling and, um, in, and it was a gradual progression, but but it was just having your your eyes open and saying, hey, you know, I'm committed to you and your family, and I I see this need, and you know, I'm going to assert myself and and see if I can help you. Yeah, but also at the same time, and what I like about that example too is it really also demonstrates your awareness of kind of what his boundaries were and what his comfort was. Yeah, so you couldn't go in there hard charging, no. and that's that's really the finesse of, I think, succeeding in in this realm is you've got to know who you're dealing with and you've got to exhibit some level of sensitivity and, you know, savoir-faire in terms of how you um, execute. Yes. Making sure that the principal is comfortable is the most important thing. And then when you can see that they're being receptive, but you know, that you can kind of have a soft touch and, you know, an easy entrance. Um, If they show that they're receptive, you can say, okay, you know, I'll keep moving in this direction, but you always have to um, keep your eyes open and take, you know, cues. So what do you get out of this? Like, I'm just curious, you know, obviously everybody has some kind of payoff, right? Whether it's a sense of satisfaction, like everybody, I I like to refer to it as as a person's currency, right? Some people's currency is, is helping. Some people's currency is money. Some people's currency is power. Some people's currency is acknowledgement or recognition, whatever the currency is. What's your currency? I mean, like what, what satisfaction do you get out of filing these folders, which a lot of people (laughs) would look at that and go, Oh my God, that sounds like the worst thing ever. Well, I look at it as, you know, more holistically, like I'm taking care of this person or this family. And I love to see, you know, that they have a passion and, and obviously a drive for something professional. And that's their goal in life. And then I love to be that person who supports them to help them focus on their drive and their passion. And they know, okay, all these things that they may seem little, but they're not. They're things that are very important that need to be taken care of, that need to be uh, solidly, um, you know, off their mind and off their plate, but they need to know they're getting done. And that creates a, a successful person to do what they want to do. And and I love being that support for someone or a family Um, so they can have the best, whatever that is, you know, the best work life, the best home life, um, or even if it's just, you know, the day to day, their movements from A to B are as efficient as possible. And I just love um, seeing that all come together and feeling like they have successful movements and, um, and, and just overall success in life. Yeah. So is it fair to say that that your currency is being that nurturer and just creating harmony in your principal's lives? 
yeah, I would say exactly that. What does a typical day in your universe look like as, I mean, and typical, I put in like gigantic quotation marks because we know there is no typical. Typical is is atypical. Um, But that being said, what might land on your plate and what might kind of you encounter in the day-to-day as an estate manager or personal assistant you know, what, what do those tasks look like or, or projects right. or things like that? Yeah. Well, one thing I did want to talk about is um, the kind of, I am in a hybrid role currently, personal assistant, as well as a state manager, but they're, they run side by side, but they're completely different um, in a way, but um, they're, they're like in different buckets. So there's so many things um, that you can do simultaneously, but they're a different set of priorities. So whereas the estate manager is, you know, dealing with a lot of maybe bigger projects like remodels or installs, like a, a solar install or maybe a, you know, a, a pool cover replacement or walking through doing weekly checks on the actual property. Um, a personal assistant deals with more like day-to-day movements and trip planning. Um, and so like a whole different set of, you know, calendaring for either the principal and the family and they do intersect, but so it's really interesting to do this hybrid role. So like a day for me currently is a combination really. And so I typically have you know, four or five big projects going on that relate to one of the homes um, could be here or one of the vacation homes. And, um, you know, coupled with um, some day-to-day uh, errands and organizing, uh, smaller projects, uh, scheduling, um, it's really, really across the board. It can switch from day-to-day, but there's always the constant. Um, you always have different uh, buckets, if you will, of, of tasks and, and projects that you have going on. When your career is taking care of other people and really mm-hmm. tending to everything in their life, yes. right. And, and creating mm-hmm. these really wonderful, as you said, like end to end buttoned mm-hmm. up holistic experiences, like is a little bit, is it a little bit like the cobbler's son has no shoes kind of syndrome <laughs> where like, like, yes. I, I mean, not to pry into your life, Alicia, right. but I'm just curious, like, does, does, is there still time and interest left for like, for, for preparing your own file folders and, right. and preparing your own vacations? Or is it that you're kind of exhausted? And I, I think about, you know, like chefs, right? Like chefs yes. are always notorious for saying, oh my God, like I don't cook for myself at mm-hmm. all. I'm, I eat frozen pizza and call it a night, you know? Exactly. And I wonder if a little bit of that happens to you in, in terms of how it impacts your personal life. Yeah, it's so funny. And it's so true because, um, so we have a nanny, a wonderful nanny, and she always says, I need an Alicia. And I go, yeah, me too. I need my, <laughs> I need, I need it myself because I do not do, I don't usually do those things for myself. Um, and, but sometimes I'll pull it out of my hat and be like, okay, plan a trip for yourself. Like you're planning for your principles and make it a good time. So sometimes I can muster that up, but usually I, I do save all my energy for work. And then, you know, on the weekends, I do try to, um, my principles currently are fantastic with work-life balance. They're very gracious. Um, and so I usually do, unless it's urgent, have my weekends to myself. So I try to recharge and say, you know, do things that I love to do, like hiking or yoga to kind of restore um, my mental capacity. Obviously, you know, every family is going to be different with right. what their needs are and, and how they like to have information presented and, and yes. things of that nature. But I'm curious to know, what are some of the kind of common templates or processes or systems that that you've implemented that have really served you well and you know what's what's really um useful and productive in that regard for me google suite has always been the easiest um platform to navigate and it's always right there for me it's just really easy to create a simple spreadsheet or 
you know, document that's living, that, you know, changes will just appear, and I can just reach for um, whenever needed. And some of the things I've created that really have worked well, like for most of the families that I've supported, um, are really simple things like creating a seasonal maintenance checklist has been, you know, phenomenal, obviously, between homes, even within a family, um, if they have several homes, the you know the specifics will change on that list but just having a a list that you can go to every season and and be like oh okay you know you don't have to think about it it's time to wash the windows it's time to get the floors waxed or you know refinished i was gonna Um, ask you what what items go on that but that you just you just shared yeah Yeah, that's like cleaning the gutters or absolutely paint maintenance things of that nature yes exactly i mean they can be as as minute as we have um running in a fresh cycle in the washer and the dishwasher and um cleaning out the garbage disposal with like ice cubes and baking soda and hot water um and then there's your more involved things like power washing the home or um you know refinishing the wood floors like i had mentioned before or cleaning draperies and and um and carpets it's nice to have those things on a schedule so you can you can go look at them and say oh well you know what they don't really need cleaning but i've checked them and okay we're going to put that you know off for six months and Um, how did you learn all of this alicia because i I can i'm just thinking about my own house i'm walking going oh yeah good idea yeah Yeah, i I do need an alicia (laughs) as you said we all need an alicia but i mean where did you how did you learn this stuff well, it's funny because, you know, when I started, um, it was a long time ago. So you kind of just, there's some things in place and then you just build on it. So now, you know, not only with the internet, but there's so many groups um, with professionals and sharing lists. I mean, you can go to DIY and find um, everybody has, there's a few seasonal maintenance checklists out there. So um, I spent a good, actually recently, I spent a good maybe month um, compiling a really, really solid list. And so I took everything that I had been doing, like all the basics, and then things that I knew um, were going to be needed. And honestly, when you just walk the house and you look at everything, you can you can kind of just make a list. You go through the kitchen and mm-hmm. say, check the burners, clean the fan, clean the exhaust. Um, and then there's not that I do all these things, but I might hire vendors to do mm-hmm. these things. Um, but but it did take quite some time to get a really great list together um, and uh, have it be really solid and and not missing anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so seasonal maintenance checklists are one example yes. that you've come up with. What are some other mm-hmm. things that, that you typically go to? I definitely have um, a gift giving and receiving spreadsheet. That way you can um, not only remember, you know, when birthdays are coming up, but also what you gave, you know, to who last year, the year before that, the year before that. Um, that's super helpful because sometimes you have these great ideas. Oh, you know, for your principal, her birthday's, her sister's birthday's coming up. Oh, let's give her, you know, how about, I always give gift ideas. So I'll give three to five gift ideas. Um, And of course you don't want to repeat those. And if it's been three, four, five years, you think, you know, it's hard to remember back. So just having that on a log is, is really invaluable. Um, Also having a, you know, a spreadsheet for holidays um, is really helpful for, party planning and, and all the little things that you want to have in place around the holidays. How do you approach, what questions do you ask of, of your principals to figure out what an appropriate gift might look like? Yeah. These might not be people that you actually have direct personal interaction exactly. with. Right. Yeah. So if I don't have any knowledge of the person at all, um, I'll usually ask for a price point and, and there's some, you know, there's some gifts you can offer when you don't know about the person, like, you know, a nice gift basket. Um, I usually put together custom gift baskets, uh, or you can send flowers um, or a gift card. You know, you can suggest a gift card to their favorite restaurant or a spa. And those are easy things when you don't know them. But um, but I do ask for guidance because they might have ideas um, and a lot of principals like to give close fa- friends and family trips. 
And that's a lot of fun because then you can um, plan a trip for someone that and, and get to know them while you're planning the trip. And, and that's really helpful for the following year. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Um, any other hacks that you've come up with, uh, you know, whether it's life hacks or cleaning hacks or anything along those lines that might be interesting to share? Yeah, yeah, sure. I really like to utilize WhatsApp. It's one of my favorite tools um, because you can just have certain people for one certain event. Like just for instance, um, we usually when traveling, it's really great to track your luggage. So because especially if you're traveling with friends and you're not traveling with them. So if you're not traveling to oversee the luggage and know what goes where, they, they're not going to know, you know, there's so many black bags, right? So you can, you can snap a shot of the, of the luggage and say, this is so-and-so's suitcase and it goes in this room when it arrives. And then there's a certain, or maybe there's support, there's a support team on the other end and that gives them the information to keep everything really streamlined. So you you alluded to the fact that you know some of uh, the principals that you've worked for have multiple estates. Um, mm-hmm. So clearly, that's going to add a, a, a several layers of complexity because now you're dealing with not just one set of maintenance schedules and yes. seasonal you know maintenance routines and things of that nature. But you're mm-hmm. you're that's exponentially increasing. So right. can you talk to us about kind of some of the the um, challenges of managing multiple estates and particularly this this challenge of you know being in two places at once right um you know how have you how have you learned to lean on um household staff that are at each location or vendors like how have how have you managed to juggle that right yeah well i mean at most of the um second estates um for the families i've worked for there's always some sort of support on the other end. And it's just a matter of utilizing them, whether it's a, pro- you know, a property manager or um, someone who's, you know, on the same team as you, but they're dedicated to that property. Um, it's really not a great thing. You know, it's not great to think you have to do everything because you can't, and it's not efficient. Nobody, and, and nobody wants you to do everything. They just want you to oversee everything and make sure the quality is there and everything is getting done. So for me, I try to think about, is it important? Do I physically have to do this task? Um, so for instance, if I have just say a plumber coming to the home for a very routine um, repair that we've already talked about. They've already been there before. They just need to go install it. Maybe I'll schedule it during nap time and ask the nanny to let the plumber in. Um, but if I know that's not going to happen, you know, um, that they have questions that they're going to need to travel throughout the house, then I know, okay, that means I need to be there. So I kind of gauge um, the task itself and and figure out, is this something that I literally need to do myself? Absolutely. I think that's that's fundamental to creating leverage for yourself is yes. you know, what needs my personal Alicia attention and what can be outsourced. Exactly. And sometimes you're wrong. I mean, sometimes <laughs> I, and I have been, I'm like, no, I don't need to be there. And then... I realize in hindsight, hmm, I did need to be there. So you definitely have those learning moments, but you just want to take them as learning moments and not and not switch the flip inside you saying, okay, I have to do everything. I have to be, you know, it's not going to get done correctly if I don't do it, because that's not true. You just really have to think about what things are important to you um, and 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 the outcome, you know, what you really need to do personally. Right. And I think a lot of this yeah. also, I would imagine, comes back to training and mm-hmm. oversight and expectation right. setting. Um, I mean, ultimately, if you're if you're overseeing a household staff, then that training element where you really level set on expectations and how things mm-hmm. need to be done. That's a big, 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 big part of it. I mean, has that been part of your roles as well, where you've really had to manage that that element? It is, and um, and 
sometimes you want to give people the freedom to do their their jobs, but you also want to check in and make sure they know that you're there for them. I'm here for you. If you have questions, I'm available. Um, if you need something, if you need some help, I'm here for you. Um, but you also want to give them the room to do what they need to do without constant badgering. Oh, did you do this? Did you get this done? What's the status on this? So it's a delicate balance of of just letting people know, you know, on your team that you're there for them. And and also at the same time, you know, being the the spokesperson for the principals and knowing that they want things done a certain way. Exactly. And, and so it, it is. And it and how do you avoid being, you know, bossy and right. and coming across as demanding and obnoxious versus exactly. being really the spokesperson for the principal's aesthetic and, and needs yes. and, and taste, you know? Right. It's, exactly. That, that's the finesse, you know, that's, it the, is, that's the secret and, sauce. And a lot of my texts start with, I'm sorry to bug you. I don't mean to be annoying. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, so thinking about different types of household setups, right? Because there's a lot of different examples of how, a household team and staff could be structured, right? Um, mm-hmm. You have some yes. staff that are really, really, really robust, and they have multiple layers and all kinds of, um, you know, kind of uh, of, of tiers and and, yeah. and people in place. And then you have those households that are really quite lean and have a much, much, much more pared back. Um, group of of support. So yes. I'm curious. I don't know if you've worked in 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 both types of situations or not, but I'd, I'd be curious to know. You know, how does that experience vary? Um, yeah. Working in a really robust team versus a lean team, and and again, like as we think about what people should be mindful of and aware of as they're evaluating opportunities, what would you what would you say to that? Yeah, I mean that's such a a very very important question to it's something to consider when you are looking for your next role because it can the projects, duties, tasks, I mean they're all pretty much the same from family to family, of course. Um, you know, varying preferences and whatnot. But there's some things that are very uh prevalent um on large teams where on a small team you're not going to um you're not even going to come in contact with that just for instance take security some families have a little bit of security some families have a huge security team and some families have no security um so that's a whole nother level of something you'll deal with um depending on how large your team is um, and it also changes your day to day. If you have a large team, you might have team meetings, you might have team outings. Um, if you have, a, you could be working by yourself, you could be a personal assistant in a home that doesn't have a house manager. There's no kids, there's no nanny. Um, so it really does vary um, in, in terms of environment. Well, and I'm, I'm curious too, like, how does that actually affect the scope of your role, right? Because if you're, yeah. if you're a, a more or less a, a lone individual, yeah, obviously, you're going to have a lot more on your plate. Like, how does that look compared to if you're working in uh, an organization that has a lot of layers? You know, then I would assume that that collaboration with your colleagues becomes more more relevant, but then you're also not owning the whole, exactly. the whole picture, which creates its own set of challenges, right? So right. what, what Absolutely. is that? What is that like? Yeah, on a large team, you're siloed, you are in charge of very specific things. And as other people are in charge of very specific things. So just for instance, if you're on a large team, you might be in charge of travel, you make all the itineraries, all the arrangements, and you are the only person that does travel. You might communicate it out to, you know, the other team members, but every day, all day, that's all you do is arrange travel. Um, Whereas if you're a one person show or you're on, you know, a smaller team, that is one thing you do. You literally, you do everybody's job on a big team, but it's at a lesser degree. So whereas a person on a large team who only does trips, they're doing trip after trip after trip. Maybe if you work for a family that doesn't have so many roles, they don't have as many trips. So you can do other things, but you have to enjoy doing other things and being able to bounce back and forth between so many things. For instance, scheduling, managing the house, 
weekend logistics, the kids um, schedule, the nanny schedule, payroll. Whereas in a large team, you have somebody designated to organizing the kids. You have mm-hmm. somebody designated to payroll. So it's it's really um, something to consider when you are looking at roles and a great question to ask your recruiters. Um, how is this a team? How many yeah. people are on the team? What are the other roles? Right. Yeah. Is there a, is there a tipping point that you typically see, like whether it's <clears throat> the size of the family that you're supporting or um, just the complexity of their life? Like, yeah. is there typically a tipping point where where you see uh, a, a principal really staff up and create all of those layers versus ones that that stay lean, or is it really just more personal preference? Yeah, I think um, I've never known a principal to say I want to have a really big team. They, I don't think it's something people want. Um, they want, you know, as to have as lean a team as possible, but they have it out of necessity, um, mm. especially if you're in the public eye. Um, it's just more complicated and logistics to move you from place to place are more detailed. Yeah. Um, so you require sense. more people. And especially if both husband and wife, um, if they both own businesses or have, you know, different things going on, it just, it adds to the complexity. Yeah. Well, I almost feel like there's a relationship between the extent to which you have sacrificed your anonymity in this world mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it results in a higher degree of of people in your in your universe to kind of right. coordinate and maintain things right and the more yeah. you can preserve your anonymity and privacy the less yeah. that is the case um yeah yeah it kind of reminds me like when we talked to candidates about startups versus really established oh, companies yeah. too right because mm-hmm. it's kind of the same trade off like when you're working in a startup you have a lot of slashes. I always say there's a lot of slashes. There's a lot of hybrids to your role because things are leaner and there isn't somebody for everything. And some people love that. They love that. It's it's exciting. It's stimulating. There's variety. It's unpredictable. They're never Mm -hmm. plateauing. And some people just can't stand it. And they're like, oh my God, this complexity, I want to pull my hair out. Like I just, just tell me one thing to do and do well. So, right, you're like a bouncing ball. You're totally. going back and forth and back and forth. Exactly. And yeah. so I think it's a similar um, evaluation that you have to go through as well when you apply that to the to the private service realm. I agree. What does your involvement look like in a design and build type of a project? I know, you know, you've mentioned that at, at different stages of your career, you've you've been involved or been brought in to, to mm-hmm. help with these types of things. Um what does your role as a state manager, personal assistant look like where that's concerned? Yeah, um, well, it's so exciting for the family when they're doing a custom build. Um, I've seen it a lot. And then when you do a custom build, you're literally designing your dream home. You know, you're picking out not just all the appliances and the aesthetics, but they the principals are involved in every aspect of the design and so it's super you know they're just in their in their mode and they're really really having fun with it um and then i think that during the design phase is where the estate manager or personal assistant can be essential in helping talk through um some of the day-to-day routines that they currently have that might change the design uh for example Ample storage is something that almost always gets downplayed in the design phase. Principals are trying to save time, save space for, you know, the things that are most on their mind, like the living room or the bar area or whatnot. Um, and they don't think about things like, do we have, um, is our broom closet big enough? Do we have a, a closet in the hallway for guests and their belongings when they enter? Um, and what, and one thing that I think I've seen across the board is when the principals are designing their closet and their bedroom, they kind of go a tiny bit bigger than what they currently have. <laughs> but we all know if we were designing our dream closets, it would be double, right? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. and it's something that they don't really want. They're like, no, 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 we don't need that space. And then all of a sudden, a year later, they're knocking down a wall. 
And so it's, I think that um, like an estate manager or personal assistant can be absolutely, you know, really valuable and say, hey, have you, you know, just to think about those kinds of things. Obviously, the principals are going to pick out their favorite colors and fabrics and and where they want things in the room. But but we can say, hey, have you thought about, you know, where the vacuum's going to go or the server room or, um, you know, how big do you want your coat closet to be? Then that kind of thing, you know. Um, another aspect of typical involvement is definitely scheduling. So scheduling meetings between the principals with their architects, designers, and their builders, um, as well as assisting with samples, bringing them back and forth. Um, so the principals can view them. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about, you know, just my own experience of doing, you know, on a much smaller scale projects, right? And there's just yeah. there's just an infinite number of decisions and choices yes. that have to be made and information that has to be relayed at any given time. So, it, it, and I realize that, you know, there are architects and designers and they have their teams, but Somebody mm-hmm. to just, you know, also kind of be that buffer, I would assume, and 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 be that conduit to make sure that key key decisions, key information, it's cascaded, you know, to the right people, right? That's right. Yeah. And of course, with large custom builds, they'll always have a project manager. Um, but these the project managers don't know the family as intimately as the people, you know, working in the home do. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a nice chance to liaise there and and add some personal preferences. Yeah. Maybe your principal is really into gift wrapping and they want to have a, yes. a, a small space where they can have like a hobby room or a gift wrapping room or whatever the right. case may be. And I think being able to bring um, visibility and attention to those types of, of things is really is really a nice way to contribute to that process. Let's talk about some of the challenges that come with working in private service. I mean, we kind of touched on sure. it a little bit of, you know, the the cobbler's son doesn't wear yeah. shoes kind of thing, right? Yeah. We, we did discuss right. it a little bit, but I'd love to know, you know, clearly you're somebody that has staying power in this career. Mm-hmm. And I will say, you know, obviously as a recruiting firm, and we, we, we see all kinds of people and, and going through all different types of crossroads and, and um, decisions about their life and career. And I think there can be a real um, tendency for burnout in this profession. Um, Mm -hmm. Some people are, you know, they do it, they do it for the long haul and and this is their thing. Um, And some people do it for a little bit and say, this is definitely not my thing. Um, Right. So I'd, I'd love to hear from you as somebody that's had this experience, what challenges come with working in the private service and what do people who are in this career or even just those who are thinking about this career you know, what do they really need to be prepared for or mindful of? Yeah, I mean, that's such a great question because everybody has their own challenges, of course. And there's a couple that come to mind for me personally. Um, you know, first off, you're a professional and you're working for a professional, but you're in their personal space. So that right there, you're going to see their personal moments and they're going to see some raw emotion sometimes and might be misplaced. Um, and you just kind of have to roll with it. Um, it can be difficult sometimes to think, oh, you know, geez, they seem really irritated or, you know, and you're, but they could not be, it could be directly, um, it, it could have nothing to do with you, but you're in there, that's their home where they have a personal life. So you're going to work thinking like, oh, I'm going into my professional space, but they're in their private space. So I think it's really important to remember that, just that, and and know that, you know, you may see emotion and know where to place that, not internalize it, and and just do your job. That is so well said. I I've I've heard other people comment on that um difficulty, but I've never heard it said in such a, a really eloquent way. And I, I think that's also really just demonstrates a lot of sensitivity to, yeah. to that. Right. I mean, right. gosh, like imagine like if you're, if, if you don't have a place to be unguarded, I mean, that's yes. really what we're talking about. I mean, at home is where you can be unguarded. It's where you can let your hair down. It's where you can be the private version of yourself. And, yes. um, and that's a big sacrifice. So I think how you said that is just so, so lovely of, 
this is your professional realm, but it's their personal realm. And, exactly. and really being um, honoring that, you know? Well, another thing that comes to mind is personal values. So you may be really into the environment and preserving it. And in your home life, you drive a hybrid, you use, you know, environmentally friendly products, and then you go to work and they, that's not on their uh, priority list. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to remember that it's your job to carry out your principal's vision and put your personal preferences aside. You're not there. If they ask you, hey, what do you think of this? Or, you know, this product or that product or this way of doing things, um, then that's, you know, you can step in and say, hey, this is what I think. But, you know, it's not your job to go into their life and put your own, you know, um, preferences in place. And that's hard for a lot of people. And and you see it in many different, like you see it in the environmental realm. You also see it with food. Some people um, don't care about eating uh, organic food. And that doesn't bother, you know, somebody in a household. And as someone else would be like, oh, my gosh, I can't be around all this junk food. Or on the flip side, say the personal assistant brings in like a Kit Kat and the family's like, whoa, you know, we can't have that stuff in our house, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we Mm -hmm. could go either way. Um, But just realizing that they have their set of preferences and you are there to guide, you know, guide and help them with their vision and um, organize their life in the way they want Um, and not take it as uh, take it personally when they don't share your values. Well, I think yeah. it's it's really about detaching. I think that's kind it of is. what I'm hearing in, in all of yeah, these examples, including the whole not take it personal thing, yes. is it's really about detaching. And, you know, um, I mean, gosh, there's so many things. I mean, vegetarians, non-vegetarians, I mean, there yes. could just be a million ways in which exactly. these intersections become kind of contentious. And right. um, I think the way to avoid that is to just detach. And like you said, it's, you know, I'm right. here to support your life and existence as you as you want it and that's um, right and that's it <laughs> that's it and of course on the flip side to that when you are interviewing for a position if there is something that you feel so strongly about that you just you're like I just can't support that that's okay that's when you say this isn't a good fit for me mm-hmm. um because there'll be you know, you'll find your fit and, um, right. and that's okay. But, it, but, you know, it's, it's important to remember that you are going into people's lives and, and you're there for them to support what they're trying to do. Right. Sometimes, you know, when working for people that are in, in the public eye, um, you know, these could be also individuals who find themselves the subject of public scorn or public opinion Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's scandals. I mean, right. it just it's it, it you know it's it's par for the course for it certain is. certain types of people at, at a certain status level. And so, yes, I guess my question to you would be how do, how does that impact the work that you do? And right. you know, has has that ever come in come into play, or you know how how sure. have you addressed that in in those moments? Right. Well, I mean, it can add a layer of security precautions. Um, but honestly, when you work for a high profile person or family and say a public announcement comes out or maybe an incident occurs, whether it be, you know, favorable or unfavorable, it shouldn't affect your day to day. It'll it may if something happens, maybe there'll be, you know, fans at the house or maybe the principal will cancel travel or maybe they will travel, you know, but really your day-to-day is not affected. And and as far as personally, um, I it might be, I really would not be affected personally um, by anything at work. I know that sounds really nuts, but, um, but it really has nothing to do with me. Um, and my, because the day-to-day is not being affected, it doesn't affect me. And, and when I go to work, I'm there to do a job and do certain projects and tasks and, and, right you know, you do have, you feel for your principles, you know, if they have a great success, you're really excited. Um, But that doesn't change the day to day either. You know, maybe it changes the mood a little bit. And of course, if they have a down moment, um, you know, your heart goes out to them and you and you feel like, you know, okay, I just want to help. I'm going to just do my job. 
So it might affect, you know, morale a tiny bit of the team, but it really doesn't affect um, day-to-day tasks and, and what, right. you're, what you're doing every day. Right. The seasonal maintenance schedule must go on. <laughs> the show must go on. What advice do you have for nannies or maybe family assistants who are hoping to up-level their their experience or their career to be able to get to where you are today? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that's what I did. I literally, and no, I had no colleagues at the time. I had nobody kind of, you know, giving me advice or saying, Hey, this is the path. This is what you need to do. Um, And the industry has grown so much over the past 20 years. It's just amazing. There's so many wonderful groups and um, and Silicon Valley is a great place. Um, it's very it's thriving with these teams of people who are taking care of um, these families and principals and and um, so there's a lot of resources out there. So um, I would absolutely um, encourage them um, to a definitely find a mentor or colleagues and just talk to people um, that you connect with that are in the industry and. And seeing what advice they could offer, you know, join some personal assistant or house manager groups. Um, the Bay Area has a few of them. Um, and then definitely, like like I did, just take on additional tasks or projects. Just be the eyes around the house and see, because you know you're in the home, you know the principles, you know what could make their life better and easier. And just offer and just keep asking. What's the most, I mean, to the extent that you can tell us, mm-hmm. what's like the most wackadoodle, you know, <laughs> kind of like pulled this off at the 11th hour by the skin of my, is it skin of my neck? Teeth. Hair of my, teeth, teeth. Skin of my teeth, which makes no sense. What does right. skin and teeth have to do with each other? But anyway, how, like, is there an example that comes to mind of, um, of that that might just be kind of a funny little anecdote to share? Oh my gosh. Well, you know, it's so funny. There's been, there's been a, through your out my career, I've had some really fun moments. Um, and it's always heightened when you don't have time. Right. So you're just like, Oh my gosh, we have no time. Um, I feel like that's what you're always up against. It's not necessarily resources. It's time. It's time. Exactly. Because you're pretty set up with with, um, you know, you have the skill set, obviously, to do the job, and, and you have certain resources. But I think, um, you know, without getting specific, I think when we find out that a principal is going to make a movement, and they're going to go to a different property, um, and you have no time to get everything together, and they say, oh, we're going here, and we also want a chef tonight, and a boat, and you know five right. other things You're right like, okay <laughs> <laughs> um and then but when you do it and you you know you get it done and they're like oh this was so great we got here and everything was in place and and the dinner was great and the chef was great and like literally two hours before you did not have a chef, like your chef is out of town. You don't know where you're going to get a chef, you know? Um, and that kind of thing. It's a, it's a general, you know, it's a little general example, but very real example of, of kind of making experience come together on mm-hmm. short notice mm-hmm. and really making it a wonderful experience for the family. Um, that's always really fantastic. Yep. I think that's really where you you get to prove your value is just making the impossible come together right? as though it was just, you know, so, so carefully. Yeah, exactly. So carefree. And, you know, they hire you for a reason. They can't they know that you have resources you can tap into and a drive that you're going to get the job done. And sometimes that when they're asking, they could be thinking, this probably won't happen, but I'm just going to ask anyway. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you always have the opportunity to say, look, I just couldn't make this happen. But that is not what you, that is not the goal. I mean, you always want to say, yep, here you go. And yep. just, you know, just have it all done calmly, even though like in the background, it was not done calmly. But, yep. you know, when it's presented, they're like, oh, it's all here. Okay, great. Yeah, but they have really no idea what goes into no making all that happen. No, and that and that's kind of the fun of it is it, it really is um, 
there's an element of theatrics involved in all mm-hmm. of this, you know, of just like, yeah. oh, here, here you go. And and never, never really know any of the heavy lifts and, and the 25 calls you had to make to exactly. get to the one chef that was exactly. happened to be available at the last minute, you know, That's right. um, and how close yeah. you were to calling Domino's pizza, but thank God. <laughs> It didn't happen. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's great. Well, I have a final yeah. question for you. If you had the opportunity to support anyone in the world, and this could be, you know, modern day or, or history, who would right. you choose to who would you choose to support and why? I'm going to pick Amelia Earhart first for the obvious reasons. Um, you know, she was an inv- innovator and a pioneer, um, and she set out to accomplish her life stream in a male-dominated environment. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is really, I mean, we take it for granted these days, um, especially in Silicon Valley, how, um, you know, how much opportunity that is afforded to everybody here. Um, so I can't imagine what it was like for her in that time. Um, and it must have been, you know, so challenging on so many levels, to say the least. Um, she would have needed a, you know, definitely a positive and encouraging partner to kind of guide her through, you know, all the different things she was doing and um, all the travel and keeping, uh, you know, a balance in her life. And mm. and I think it would have been so fun to plan, you know, her movements and her schedule and just being that pillar, being there for her to, um, you know, let her concentrate on her passion and her dream. Yeah. Well, this has been so wonderful. Oh my I, gosh, it really has. I've really enjoyed this. I've been I've had a smile on my face the whole time just listening to how you do what you do. And I, I think there's so many great, great tips in here. And um both like in terms of actual skill stuff and you know, practical resources and guidance, but also just mm-hmm. I think on a more introspective level. I think you've given a lot of tips as to you know, what are the trade-offs and what do you need to be aware of? Because everything, everything has a trade-off. Everything takes a toll. And it's really just a matter of deciding if, is this the, you know, is this a trade that, that works for you and makes sense and, and, you know, um, aligns to what your needs are as a, as a, as a person and professional, but it's been so fun speaking with you. Thank you so Likewise. much. Yeah, Likewise, really enjoyed just, this. I've had a really fun time today. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's really, really been a pleasure. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, We're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www.mavenrep.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.